Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome on today's episode of Partially Excited. We got Emer Dunn. She is a physiotherapist, massage therapist. She used to swim and uh, did a couple of triathlons. And uh, hello, welcome to the show, Emer. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you. First of all, can I correct you on that? I'm a physical therapist. I also facilitate meditation and chakra dance as well. When you were growing up, was swimming part of your, uh, you wanted to do it or can I give us a bit of background on how you got into that? Yes, I swam for 10 years. Well, I've been swimming nearly all my life. Actually, that's, that's wrong. I still swim. Started when I was around six or seven. My mother had this fear, it's not a fear, but she was determined to make us all learn how to swim well because she couldn't swim well and she just wants she just thought like her children it was the thing that she wanted her children to be able to do so she let her come in the door to join um rag swimming club it was the name of a swimming club and there was lessons starting so she enrolled us all and we all loved it because the pool the swimming pool was like it was like a 10 minute walk from our house and so we just loved going swimming. It was our, one of our things that we did. And before we knew it, before my mother knew it, within a couple of years, we were all champion swimmers, the whole four of us. <laughs> we won everything. We kept winning all our categories in our, in, in our age groups in, in the local swimming pool. And I, out of the four of them, took it very serious. I started training about training in the mornings about seven, eight, nine. I remember being in fourth class, fifth class. So that's like nine, ten, eight, and eight, nine years of age. Decided they started getting serious into it and going to training in the mornings. There was morning swimming at six o'clock in the morning. So I started doing that from the age of eight to 18 of really training very hard, doing serious amount of kilometers in the pool. I Yeah, I just 
trained and trained and had goals and my dad set up swimming goals. He was a computer teacher and he used to put an Excel spreadsheet of all my personal best swim times. And then he'd compare it to the national times and compare it to what I needed to, if I wanted to achieve anything, he'd put out a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet. It was way ahead of its time at the time. And, and so I would know exactly how much I need to improve in order to gain certain swim times. And from there, I kind of went the Connick swim team. I was on the Connick team, interprovincials for years. And then they pick a team to go abroad training and 50 meter training because, as you know, there was no 50 meter pool in Ireland at the time. And we'd get selected to train every Christmas. I was on the team, that team, five, six years in a row from the age of 13 to 17, 18. And that was great experience. Started traveling, going to international galas on the interprovincial Irish the schools team. I got on the Irish schools team at 16. And then I got on the Irish Youth Olympic team at 16 as well. That's it. What made you decide to go really competitive in swimming at that young age? Well, my dad was very, he was a football coach. So he was always encouraging me to, to, to do better. And it was always... Um, I just had a competitive instinct. I was very dedicated and I, I, I could never, I didn't ever want to miss a training session. I felt guilty if I missed training. There's just a competitive edge inside me. My father never really, he kind of made, he said, Emer, if you want to go training in the morning, you know the swim pool is 10 minutes away. I'm not getting you up in the morning. You make the decision to do it. He put it all on me to make my own decisions as to what I wanted, how I wanted to train. And because he couldn't get up in the morning. So I had to go by myself. So I knew if I wanted to do this, I had to do it by myself. And then when he saw how much of an interest I took and how much commitment I made, then he really backed me up. Like, I know, I just I just loved watching the Olympics as well. It was the one, so I still do. When the Olympics is on, I'm glued to it for three weeks. Can't take my eyes off watching everything. Love watching sport. Love the competitiveness of it and trying to improve yourself told me a very interesting story her dad turned the sitting room into a into a mini gym tell us about how that came about and how that improved your swimming and all that he did <laughs> yeah well yeah my my the carpet in our sitting room was always worn down my, my father used to get the kids to come around because dad taught football circuit training so he we used to he used to the kids he used to whoever wanted to come around to our house we used to train you know twice two mornings as well as the swim in mornings, the weekends, and you do circuit training to really increase it. I noticed when I started like doing strength training, little dumbbells at 13, my times really improved very quickly. My strength improved, that really helped with my swimming times and my strength in general. So he used to do burpees in the sitting room and he used to do this, he used, he used to use the like the couches to do tricep dips and like I mean our carpet was worn down and he, he would nick my father would steal the gym from the equipment from the college he'd borrow it at the weekends or whatever for a few weeks and he'd bring it back when I was finished during terms and I was still before I knew it I was pumping biceps bench do bench press 90k like at 16 17 he built me up like he's trained strength conditioning he was big into that so yeah I used to do sit-ups and before going to bed, and I always had any opportunity I could to improve my fitness. I did. 
it, it's interesting how you, you build your own home gym to improve your own your own physique and fitness. But how does that apply to the pool? How does it apply to the pool? Yeah. Um, well, well, I noticed the difference. Like when my father was a very concerned about, you know, you know, kids my age used to do big weights, weights and kind of doing weights as a young age was all the rage. But you know, dad was afraid of the after effects of that there wasn't enough research for children to be pumping mates but like I didn't I gradually built it up over a long period of time and I never did you know never did heavy weights but oh the strength and the plyometric training like burpees darny jumps there was a thing called Thomas Darny I used to follow him in swimming he was champion butterfly and he's he claimed that he was brilliant at butterfly because he did 100 Darney jumps it was is named after him and it's basically burpees it's squats with jumping in the air and I used to do I was mad into doing Darney jumps Darney jumps as we called it like so I could improve does that answer your question? yeah it, it does and when you got into the competitive part swimming towards 15, 16 did you kind of get to the elite stage or was it just uh, world championships kind of tell us about how what, what level you got to when I was in transition year in school, it was like 16, 15. I really kind of, that's, I was always an, an early, late developer. I was always skinny. I was late to to gain like muscle mass. I was kind of the skinniest girl on the block. And there was always girls much bigger than me. I wasn't, like I was late to get my period. I was late to everything. Just a late developer. And when I, once I hit 16, 17, I just shot up and got these shoulders and I just came into myself and I, then I kept getting improved and I kept passing girls out then that were my level and then girls even older than me and I came into my own but it was just from the years my father always said Emer, stick with it you know you'll get there eventually you're just late you're just slower than the rest of the girls and he was right because I just kept improving and getting better and better and better and I'm not, when I hit 16 I wanted to get a swimming time to get on the Irish European team and I missed the time by half a second in the spring championships I was devastated because I had trained for like eight months for that only to not get it by half a second and then Mr Begley he was our coach said I had another chance in June at the national age groups that were picking a team of 10 boys and 10 girls to get the Irish Youth Olympic team and that was like my second chance I knew then I was getting on that team all the training I'd done that earlier that year was stood to me and I just as a matter of like I'm going I just said to myself I'm going that national age groups I won two gold and two silver which was unbelievable for me because I, I beat a girl who used to beat me for years she was Irish record holder and I beat her and in the 100 fly 200 IM 400 IM and then I got silver in 100 back and 100 breaststroke which which I wasn't expecting when you're on a roll you're on a roll <laughs> So I got on the swim team then, and that was my pinnacle of my career. I hurt my back then, injured my back. I had a, a, an imbalanced psoas muscle. And then I ended up having to stop for six months when I hit 17, 18, my leaving search year. I was devastated. I was told to quit swimming for six months, which really destroyed really my fitness. And I had to quit swimming. I kind of, it was the slippery slope of not swimming anymore. But that led me to do physical therapy because I got loads of physio treatment. And that's how I became a physical therapist. You asked me this before, Aaron, and I knew there was a story behind it. 
So swimming led me to my career. And then getting all that, that trying to fix that, that issue and on the pinnacle of not being able to swim, that must have been hard to go day in and day out to something you love to not to have something you can do every day. Yeah, well, yeah, I kind of decided then just to kind of focus on my leaving search, which was a big mistake to stop from going from training, you know, every day basically to stop. Like, I felt the energy levels had gone down. I couldn't focus. I felt tired. I put on weight. It's like, I advise anyone, never, ever, if you stop swimming, if you quit like a sport competitively, don't quit it as regards stop doing it. Just always keep your head in there. And from doing physical therapy, I realized what was wrong with my back. My back, I was told it was way more severe than it actually was. There wasn't, I was told that it was a disc injury and disc problem. I had no disc issues. I had an imbalance in the muscles. I had a a tight psoas muscle, which was pulling my pelvis forward, the bad posture. And it could have been rectified with physical therapy and yoga, which was two things I never, didn't even know existed back then. Um, I just needed deep tissue massage to balance the muscle and I needed to do yoga and I would have fixed my problem and could have got back training very quickly. Sure, hindsight is great, isn't it? It just shows you how something simple as deep tissue, yoga, can fix something so so severe and get you back. But look, you went on yeah. and did other things at the same time. Yeah, but I didn't have the symptoms of a disc issue. Do you know, I had aches. I had deep ache in my lower back, but I didn't have, I didn't have pain down my legs or pins and needles or anything like that. It could, it, it could have been very easily rectified, you know, even with chiropractic care as well would have definitely helped us. Do you regret that you couldn't get it fixed at that time, looking looking at, at it now? Um, I do and I don't. I think it started to cause, like, actually, when I think when I suffer from anxiety and depression, and I do identify the cause of that was from my swimming times because I put a huge amount of pressure on myself to get to a certain level and that caused extreme anxiety. I remember getting panic attacks and having ha- you know, heart palpitations and not being able to catch my breath, which the doctor said it was to do with anxiety. And so that's where my anxiety began and my mental health issues began there. It's swimming triggers it still. I can't enjoy swimming like I should. Like I have a great swimming stroke. I can still get into the pool and glide up and down. I have a fabulous swim stroke. I'm just not fit. But still, it triggers these anxieties in my head. It's funny. But I'm working on that. Like I won't, I'm still working. I identi- it took me years to identify why. But definitely is this I'm, I have an anxious disposition like it, it shows you how, how later on the, the nervous system still remembers that, uh, that he hop into the pool and it's like, no 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 and you hop out it's like yeah it's fine it's fascinating yeah it does well it's just all it's like I put so much pressure on myself to be at a certain level and when I get into the pool I, mean, I can never train the way I could never do 4,000 metres like I used to I compare myself to the way I was that that causes stress and anxiety. But I mean, I'm aware of what's going on now. So I just have to get over that and just get back into the pool and use it. It's a great way of getting fit. Just need to get over it and just enjoy it. I have no urge to be a competitor anymore as well. I used, I used, it really messed my head. was like, you get on the blocks and, you know, eight people get on the blocks and dive into the pool. And whoever touches that wall first is a better person than the person who touches it last. It was a measure of self-worth as well for me. 
I was like, people won't like me unless I'm a great swimmer. And that's that's something I had to get over. I had actually programmed that into my psyche as well. So I've no urge to do competitive stuff. I think I think it creates suffering in people. And like I'd have much more more sense of achievement if I went dive into the pool and just keep improving every time and get PBs as regards winning stuff, you know? I, and I did that to a meditation to a swimming club there a few years ago. And I told them, I said, only one person out of all the hundreds of people that enter your race, only one can win it. So does that make the rest of you losers? No, it doesn't. I was trying to get them to say that once you're improving and it's use it as a, a way of self-improvement and personal development as to saying, I have to win stuff, you know? getting to change their attitude because the fact that they're actually getting in and exercising and competing and participating is an achievement in itself and to kind of change the whole attachment to having to win stuff if you win it's a bonus but it's not the end all and be all like in life that's what I meant I used to like be devastated when I didn't achieve stuff and you could be having an off day that day because you know you could have your period or, or you could be you know your cycle is wrong or or someone could say something which creates an energetic discord and then you swim badly and then your whole your whole year's work boils down to that one day Do you know I just I just don't get it I don't think it's worth feeling so bad about something when you don't achieve something that's it I think the worth of being a competitor should be more geared towards I'm always improving I've the sense of self-achievement of like I'm getting better all the time and that's good enough for me not actually winning it's conditioned into us I remember one time going to a comic championship and I got three gold medals because I was 16 and the girls had given up but a lot of people quit around 14, 15 and I was a comic champion and I didn't get any PBs I just won the race and it meant those gold medals meant absolutely nothing to me Right, three years before when I got a PB, it just meant so much more. It's so much more getting a personal best time than it is getting a gold medal. Then I realized it's a load of crap, like, you know, this whole winning business. <laughs> like, just change your outlook on it, like. So you, you do your, your leaving search and you're, you're, fa- you're battling with uh, anxiety and depression and swimming. What did you, did you decide to go and do physical ther- therapy or is that something that kind of uh, progressed down the road? When I did the course, I saw the course when I was 21. I did recreation leisure management down in Cork first. And then I saw this, it was a private course up in Dublin. And I just, it, it, it had the philosophy of holistic healthcare of like, of working on the muscles on a hands-on treatment for treating physical ailments. And I just, I really liked the content of the course and how it was run. So. It was more kind of a holistic approach. So anyway, I had to get an interview. It was for, based for mature students who wanted to change careers. And I'd start, I just loved the sound of it. And then I, I loved the course. Like I did three years of work. It's very hard work. And then as soon as I qualified and I was 24, I set up a, a clinic with a colleague of mine in college in Leperstown. And that was a huge undertaking but we did it and I worked in Dublin for three years but again I always battled with my depression at the time used to come and wear its ugly head every now and then like still I still work really saved me I loved the work so I got a job then working in a gym with my gym instruction you know qualifications 
And then I got a job working with a rugby team. And then I worked in the Marion Hotel as well, part-time to get extra cash. So I, I worked very hard in my mid-twenties, like, until um, I was 27. But I always had this desire to travel. So by the time I hit 27, maybe 28, I went to Australia for a year. I saved loads of money and just went off traveling. And my colleague, we wanted the rent where we were in Leopardstown was very, very high. And he wanted to move premises. So we moved premises and then I just said, right, I'm going to travel to give this opportunity to go off and travel. So I did. So I went to Australia for a year, 27, 28, like what most people did. Then I came back to Athlone and my mother wasn't well. She was always sick. She had a chronic illness, a condition for liver. So I came back to kind of, I had this hunch that mum wasn't well and sure enough she she died well, she died about six years later but cancer but she died very prematurely like so I've been in Athlone ever since and I, I set up a business here and I've been working here ever since What kind of caught your interest in physical therapy except the hands-on was it because in the area of sport or was it just the fact that you get to uh, help people movement and functional in the I body? remember in college the first time I put we were learned how to do basic massage and I just absolutely loved it I was just like I took to it so quickly and I kind of was good at the massage and I was like I'm able to do this I don't know I, it was the whole helping people immediately with their injuries and it's something that I that somebody could do that for me I went to loads of physios and they just put machines on me nobody massaged me you know nobody got to the root of my problem I remember going to a chiropractor guy who kind of manipulated me in Mullingar I think it's Rory Murphy actually funny enough and that was the best relief I got but anyway doing the physical therapy was just so much hands on just there was just immediate relief immediate results and I just I loved it you know I just loved it loved massage I think it's a gift you either have or you don't have you either take to it or you don't I thought anyone could do it I was like sure anyone could do this can't really and once you got qualified why did you want to did you want to start a business or do you just friend your friend just say hey we'll start something together and come on do you want to join yeah well actually I wanted to go off and go on the cruise ships and as soon I'm like my plan was I was going to go on the cruise ship and be a massage therapist and it'd be kind of like I wouldn't be doing what I was qualified in doing but I had the qualification I was overqualified to do be a massage therapist on a cruise ship but I needed the experience and you gain great money you know you can come back with like nine grand or ten grand after work in eight months and travel the world I was only young so I said like there's my plan go on the cruise ships for like eight months come back with ten grand then set up a business that was the plan and not you know be financially independent whatever but my colleague at the time a girl had fallen through he put a deposit on a place out in Leopardstown and he was kind of committed to it and somebody let him down and then he was desperate to get somebody. He said, Reamer, please, please just come and set up your business straight away. Don't forget the cruise ships. Just do it. Like it's just, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, have, I actually came across him. I bumped into him. It was kind of serendipity and he showed me the place. I loved his clinic and he's like, I need some of your enthusiasm to do this. So the cruise ships were scrapped and my mother helped me out. She just gave me a few bob to help me to get my, the room and get the plant and there wasn't a huge amount of like 500 quid or something set up but within nine months I was booked out so and he said you can go traveling later just just to help me out here so he goes and you'll be doing physical therapy you won't be doing massage and I was like okay okay 
we just, I just went for it. I could never work for anyone. I was like, I had a number of jobs and I always had issues with my boss. I hated being controlled and I hated having to work at weekends and I hated being told what to do. I wanted to do my own thing. I was very independent. That's why I wanted to go out on my own. Like, But then it comes with its, its you know, pros and cons as well. Like, you're, There's huge pressure to put on your to put on yourself to gain money to pay rent and everything but I did it I managed to do it you always did it, it's, it's interesting how that pressure that, that word pressure keeps following you through different aspects yes. your swimming your work your you know there as I'm talking about. yes yes pressure is there I think that's the, that's the only way I can exist <laughs> <laughs> but it does trigger my anxiety like oh my god light bulb moment Aaron <laughs> and how do you deal with this how do I deal with it well it kind of makes it drives me like this is interesting isn't it how can I reframe this now and not be put under so much pressure in order to get things done <gasps> yeah I have to change my perspective don't I yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god this is like therapy Aaron <laughs> I only work under pressure okay <laughs> But it, it's interesting how how you develop that that ability for pressure, and it, it seemed to follow you from from one spot to a next to next. So it's curious how you just it's just part of your makeup in some way, you know? Yeah, it is. But I put it on myself, don't I? Like it's all self-inflicted. I'm not going to blame anyone. No, it's all my fault. It's no fault, but it's just the way I've been. I probably subconsciously realized how I've been operating. Haven't I? Yeah, we we don't we don't really realise that until someone points it out or some someone says, yeah. Hey, you know, whatever, you know. Well, awareness is the first step, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks. That's <laughs> 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 so I think that's why I love podcasts, because it's like therapy, because you're just talking about yourself. I actually I'm actually quite uncomfortable talking about myself here. Even though it sounds like I'm not. I know that's it's like you wear the mask and the mask like I know and then you take it off but um yeah so, I know <laughs> so so you went I'm like I'm squirming here talking <laughs> about my life <laughs> <laughs> so you had this business you did it for a while and you went off went off traveling when you went off traveling did you continue the physical therapy or did you just go off and explore and discover yourself and kind of no yeah no I got a job in a in a in a place called a flotation centre and it was a very holistic um, centre and like way ahead of Ireland and there was 24 therapists actually the woman who worked in the centre again I was end up self-employed I got paid per treatment so it was like if you were good and people wanted to book in with you it took a while to build your clientele up and like that I survived I was self-employed you got paid per treatment she had 24 therapists working for her. This woman was amazing. She was kind of like in business myself as her. I really connected with her. She started off like 20, in the 80s or 70s, 80s, massaging on the side of the road and then built up this clinic and built up from that to building up 24 ther- massage therapists working for her. Well, then she had Ayurvedic doctors and she had acupuncturists and she had naturopathy. Na- naturopathy is very big in Australia. So she's a naturopathist and homeopathy and loads of massage therapists and and I was the physical therapist so a girl just had quit the week before I kind of knocked on her door she'd left she was English physiotherapist and she went back to England and I was kind of the next one but I was full time there 
So I got a job there, working there. Now, it was good. It was okay money, but like, for when it was quiet, it was quiet. You found yourself struggling a bit. Again, there was a bit of pressure, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> working there. I tried to get a couple of jobs, but I, I, I couldn't. So I just did that job. Stayed in Bondi. And I was hoping to make a good bit of money, but it was very... Living in Sydney is, like, expensive. And I was there for about nine. I got there in February. I was there till about November, December. My sister came over then, November, and we went for a month traveling up the east coast of Australia and we hired a Jeep, camped. That was a great experience. To do that for three weeks. And then I went, came back then through New Zealand, spent New Zealand and Christmas in New Zealand, and then came home. I was home then within the year. I nearly stayed because I was offered sponsorship by my employers but something told me about a hunch to come home in hindsight I probably could have stayed another year or two but no I came home it seems like going home was the right decision and staying off and staying away you wouldn't have spent that time with your mum to kind of you know do what you needed to do with her yeah yeah well I could have stayed another year or two but I did have a hunch to come home but again terrible pressure on myself because you know, when you're self-employed, you have to, wherever you go, you have to start from scratch. And it takes ages to build up a business from word of mouth, no matter how much you market yourself. The only way you build up is just people word of mouth, you know? And is that something you found worldwide or just here in Ireland as a, as a therapist? Well, anywhere really, because it takes time to, to get, for people to get to know you. And you can only treat one person at a time. It takes time for them to tell other people as you're treating them. And, and working in Australia, did you get a new uh, view on how they look at therapists and holistic and massage? Yeah, it's, it was so much more advanced on the way they eat and nutrition and energy work. And it's just way ahead of us back then. It's kind of like this now here. But it was back then in early noughties, like 2000, 2002. People were getting big into health and nutrition and Ayurvedic, and you know the information was just so was such more vast. There's such more. There's Polish people and English. I was working with French and lots of Europeans, but also and you know and Japanese and all of ethnic people. It was great. Like I created, like I had a great time. I met amazing people and. Um, there's a, a bunch of Irish girls as well, nurses that were working over there, hung out with. But then I made create my own friends then in work and stuff. And I, I was big into salsa dance, and I used to love to dance. So I'd go off and salsa dance and meet meet good people, create my own circle of friends. Had you had you danced before? Or was it, it was it the first? Yeah, time? I started dancing when I was in Dublin when I worked in the Marion Hotel. I used to go out cheaper as four or five nights a week. I was bad, mad into it. Then I went on congresses around Ireland and England. And I just got, like, it took it up. Like, you know, when you're found in your 20s, you know, the drinking culture in Ireland is horrendous. Like, I found that I started drinking. I remember being 24, 25 and thinking, I don't think I've been sober for a weekend in about three years and a frightened the shite out of me. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I have to pick, pick a different social scene that doesn't involve drinking and just quit I just had to stop drinking and then I realised that drinking when I, I went out salsa dance and I'd come home I wouldn't drink I'd have one beer or something like three or four nights salsa dancing was still cheaper than one night on the piss basically in Dublin back then and I used to drive in dance for two or three hours drink water and then drive home and I used to see the girls on the streets hammered like 
um, I thought I could see it's got so bad in this country. Like I really turned off. And I was one of them, like, at one stage, you know, the girls going around with their high heels hammered, absolutely shit-faced drunk. And I, I just stopped doing that about my 25, 26, I stopped drinking like that um, and realised that if I kept doing, I'd have a serious problem. A lot of young people do that and they think that's okay, but it's not, like, it's not okay. I didn't like the drinking culture and salsa is, like, a lot of pubs don't like salsa dancers because they don't drink, they just drink water because they're so thirsty from dancing. But it's a great, it was a great um, hobby. And I really got into it. Like I kind of got, like I really liked it. <laughs> that's what I did. You got to tell us how you got to work in the Marion. That's that's a story in, in, in itself. The Marion Hotel? Yeah. Yeah, I was got to, I got a job. Um, I just applied for it. I saw like this brand new five-star hotel was opening up in 97 and I was working in the gym in Maynooth and I was studying physical therapy and I was still studying physical therapy. I was just finished first year in physical therapy and I was working. I was able to work full time to pay my way and study. I think I was in second year then. I did one year in Maynooth and then a job. I I didn't like my boss in Minute. I worked in the Glen Royal Hotel. Found out later she was done for disembezzlement. But anyway, and I didn't like her. So I didn't trust that my boss. I always had issues with my boss, but I had good reason to. But anyway, then I went to. I saw a job coming up for the Marion Hotel, and they were looking for leisure attendance, and the money was better. So I just applied and got it. It was near my physical therapy course, so I was able to work had to move to the other side of the city then just live I was just such a city slicker but this was time when the Celtic Tiger was like booming and everyone had seemed to have was getting loads of money getting these highfalutin jobs sure I was just um, barely barely above minimum wage working my arse off and studying my arse off I could never I was like how is everyone making this money but I think it was for the better because I didn't get caught up the whole Celtic Tigers worked really hard and studied really hard I knew what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. And then when it stood to me then, when the, you know, when the arse fell out of the economy, I still had a job, I still had a good skill that I could use. People lost loads of money and they spent lots of money. I didn't have that money to spend. <laughs> yeah, physical therapy and massage is, is, is a skill, to be honest. People think it's a job, but I do think it's a skill to have. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's a good skill. It's, like, it's very satisfying, you know, because people come out... When you treat somebody, they feel better about themselves. Sometimes you can heal, you can make them better. Like, you're not healing, they were just facilitating healing, but you do make good changes for people's lives. Is that how you feel when someone comes in and someone comes out after working with them? Yeah, I've noticed over the years that um, a lot of chronic pain with people is to do with an emotional issue. Like, if they're grieving or... I saw a connection between emotional health and physical health. I kind of have this intuitive intuition now and I kind of know what's going on with somebody when, when they keep booking in. They're just, they're, there's something more going on. It's not like I do physical therapies, physical therapy, but I've also have a, a diploma in life coach and I've, I've done a lot of personal development over the years and I'm able to apply that into my work, add it as an, an extra tool. People are open up to me and I'm able to get to the cause, the root cause, the problem. But I'm always give them the advice, the basic advice of, you know, it's a lifestyle issue. It's like mind, body, spirit, health. Tell us how you got into doing a life coaching course. That was back in 2008. I did a, a diploma in the college. I don't know, my dad, my dad 
encouraged me to do it. I must, I'm always doing courses. I've done all of Tony Robbins' personal development, all his life mastery, wealth mastery, business mastery. I've done umpteen personal development courses. I just was got into life coaching from Tony Robbins. I have that mindset of, you know, developing your mind, NLP work. So I find I, I end up, you know, when people, they seem lost or they don't know where they're going in life, you know, to ask them the right questions. So that's how I got in there into, into personal development. Doing that, that course, did it kind of open your eyes to who you are and what you need to work on and develop as, as a personal development with yourself? Yeah, especially relationships and stuff and finding out like what drives you and your core values and your belief systems. And like, and I always knew, I think I was using it as well. I've got a lot of therapy and psychotherapy. My, my mom passed away with cancer. She was, she was basically sick her whole life. So then I realized there was a lot of, I took on a lot of stuff from childhood that didn't realize I was taking on. And so I was always on this place of searching and looking to become happy, like happier struggled with self-esteem issues and self-belief but again I think it all boils down to that the swimming times the swimming years it's fascinating how the pressure the the swimming times it's it's we bury it but then when we start doing personal development it starts to bubble back up and realize why did this happen or what did happen start to question it and we may find answers if may find not but it sounds like that's what you did when you started doing that course yeah, well, I did like like life coaching and you just get a diploma in life coaching and then you have to put in hours and you have to, to and I ended up start coaching my patients as well. And then I kind of do it automatically then in work. But it's mainly physical therapy. Like, I mean, I got loads of, I just love doing courses. Like, I'm, course on, on how to measure people's feet. I was always, I did meditation courses. I did, I've done Dr. Joe Dispenza. I've done One World Academy. After mom died, then I, I just, I did, I went off for three months and did a month in India and did a, a week a full week meditation course and then I went off for three weeks on a cruise ship with Jarek Robbins Tony Robbins son and did like a personal development course on a semester at sea boat which was like it's basically this college Morehouse University of students do a semester at sea so they go off on a cruise ship and learn a semester of the whatever it is they're studying so you could go like I didn't want to go on a cruise ship I just love learning stuff love learning about life I love learning about new things that interest me things like meditation neuroscience I was always fascinated with the brain and how the brain works and I'm always looking at TED talks so I just love learning stuff came across the essential oils then and meditation I did a course in chakra dance when I came back after mom died I went traveling the world for another three months and but this was a journey of self-discovery really this was kind of like I want I need to change I want to change careers I want to change I want to evolve and find out what makes me tick and how I can I can improve myself so I came back then set up a business another business out here which didn't really work out but that's okay and then I went back to the chiropractors and worked with the chiropractors so I'm kind of still in a place of transition I'm always trying to transition and improve looking to being a leader and, and helping people and how more can I help people like why do you feel you're in a transition because I want to change from physical therapy because it's starting to affect my body it's it I'm getting chronic back pain and thumb pain in my hands and I'm looking to create another income stream without having to do physical therapy even though I think I'll always do it but I won't do it. I don't want to do it full time 
And are these the injuries that every physical therapist gets or is it just what's developed? Yes, they can. Yes, they do. Yeah. Depends on how much they work. It's funny because I got a, I got a test there by a doctor recently and I thought I was having like thinner eminence. There's a thing called Dequervin syndrome. It's like it's in your thumb. So you know where the snuff part in your thumb is? Those tendons can get very worn down or degenerative. I just got a test to say mine are okay, which is I think it was very positive. I find that when I'm, I'm actually, my thumbs are really good at the moment, which is a good sign. But they were all, they've always been aching, aches and pains over the years. I think I've built up a lot of strength. I've got very busy. The more busier I am, the better. <laughs> if I stop, the pains just start to really ache. So I just need to keep going. I'm really passionate about essential oils as well. I got into them about five years ago. Um, I've always loved smells and. Have the, the medicinal therapeutic effects of, of plants they're also connected to the chakras so I wanted to learn how about essential oils so I've been studying and getting the oils for the last five years and I'm really passionate about them so I, I um, incorporate that into treatments I'm going to be doing classes with another lady I'm going to be doing it, teaching how to apply essential oils safely with children and also we want to focus on women hormonal health because I notice a huge change in my own hormonal balance when I start using the oils and my skin, hair, and also my hormonal balance. I don't get PMT anymore. Much more balanced menstrual cycle, and so I don't get that serious pain that I always used to get. So I kind of want to help help people with there in that in that department. How did you discover aromatherapy oils in the first place? Because I was studying chakra dance at the, and I wanted to create a kind of like a workbook on on essential oils and I had a mentor and he said like research into essential oils and literally I was about to google it and I got a knock on the door this guy called Martin and he was in doTERRA and he goes hi my name's Martin I'm from doTERRA essential oils and I was like what talk about like he just knocked on my door and then just, we did before I knew it I did a class and I've been studying them going I went to all the conventions with doTERRA the last three four or five years I'm just I'm just fascinated by how they work I use them in my actually have my diffuser going on in the background here just for immune health emotional health I use them to clean my house I use them for cooking just I just love them I absolutely love them I've always loved smells so did my mom it's fun I think it's just the sensory that I like I also think it's because it, it, we are nature and it comes from nature so the smells help us recover do whatever our body needs to do as well I think yeah well it's it's connected to the limbic system in the brain the olfactory system which helps release emotions chemicals in the brain like oxytocin dopamine serotonin and it helps regulate your hormones and reduce cortisol so there, there is massive science behind these oils they work at a cellular level as well. Like, you know, there's oils for like CPD that have the same, are really great for the cannabinoid system, which is your central nervous system, which actually doctors don't study, which kind of made me realize like there's so much more to them than we, we can even realize. I don't use the oils as a medication at all. I use them to prevent issues as opposed to treating them. Mm-hmm. So it's like if, if I'm using the oils to treat something, it's too late. You never ever replace them for medicines like but use them as for preventative for preventative care for sure I see a huge difference in my own health you know emotionally and physically what is the chakra dance yeah I do, I'm going to be doing another chakra dance at the end of February 
Um, that's an eight-week course, and that's the energies in your body. That apparently we have oh, we've hundreds of chakras around our body, but I focus on seven, the seven main ones that are located on your spine, and they're they're correlated with major aspects of your life and correlate with major organs in your body for example like base chakras to do with purpose connected to your legs and feet and the bottom of your spine that's to do with ancestral behaviors passed down from generation to generation to do with tribe and sense of belonging and sense of, of purpose then, then it builds up. Each chakra has an energetic frequency, so it's like a wheel. The word chakra just means simply means wheel of energy, and they kind of their seven sit upon it on top of each other, and when they're kind of all in flow, everything flows in your life. It's kind of like I've so I've always seemed to be on this journey of self-discovery and trying to figure out who I am and why I am and why I'm here. And then when I saw the chakra system, I was like. It's kind of like a map for everyone to discover who they are. And it made me realize like where I'm imbalanced. So you never discover it all in one go. It's an ongoing journey of self-discovery for your whole life because things happen in your life. You know, you get married and you change careers and you, you get older and wiser and more mature and things, you know, major events happen. That's part of the journey. But it's always to know, check in, to know to be able to check into your chakras as the journey unfolds. That's what this chakra dance kind of helps you to discover yourself so where you're underactive or overactive there's feminine energy you focus on that to do with emotions and creativity and then masculine is to do with self-beliefs power decision making which is something I always struggled with and when I did the chakra dance I actually got really stuck in in masculine energy like I and then I realized like oh I, I released an awful lot like so all that work that I've done realizing where all this lack of self-worthiness came from was there and then heart chakra then has to do with relationships with self and others it's like the, you know to see where do you give and receive do you give too much and block receiving or do you receive too much and block giving it's when the bottom three chakras are in alignment then your heart is ready is open anahata is the sanskrit word for the heart chakra which simply means unhurt you know when your heart's open you're you're ready to have a relationship because it's not hurt it's unhurt which I find that fascinating because so many people go into relationships being hurt or they transfer their bitterness and hurt from one relationship to the next. And they shouldn't be because that's when they shouldn't even get into it because their heart's not healed. Stuff like that you'll really discover in the chakra dance about yourself that you didn't realize. Throat chakra then, that's to do with creativity, expression, that's connected to the sound of ether, which is the vibration in a room, which you're brilliant at picking up on, Aaron. Because like when you've lost the sense of sight or if you've lost a major sense, your ether, your vibes, you're really, really good at picking up that would, your, your throat chakra would be much heightened. And and doing podcasts is a great expression of throat chakra. It's like it's expression of the voice and the inner voice. Because most people don't listen to their inner voice. They keep looking externally through, you know, idle gossip and looking at the news and looking external for external information instead of going within. Then third eyes, then that's connected to pineal gland, which is the imagination, and that's to do with subconscious brain, to do with imagination and the vision. It's connected to your prefrontal cortex in the brain, which is having the inner vision to see where you're going and where your life is heading, and, and getting every, when all the other chakras are in alignment, then your your kind of third eye opens, and you have a like you become psychic. You can kind of foresee what's going to happen. People people who are psychic just have a, thir- a very strong third eye chakra, and that's. It's like their gift. Throat chakras are usually people who are musicians or singers or, you know, 
but throat chakra can be expressed in many ways so and then the crown chakra is the universal intelligence it's the cosmos it's connecting to the higher consciousness and the universal consciousness of infinite intelligence so most people don't even know this exists so they they live in their their lower three chakras but when you get into chakra dance you can tap into the higher chakras you just become you just like open up a new world of existence and i remember getting studying this stuff i just kind of wow you're you're tapping into your higher self that that voice that listens to that voice in your head is your higher self it's not you it's the you that listens to the you and that's all it is really and so you become enlightened you teach you learn how to become enlightened which is lightening yourself it's becoming lighter it's not taking yourself so seriously and seeing the world in a different way that's really basically what i teach and i do true dance which is another passion because i always salsa dance so when i saw chakra dance i was like cool this sounds really interesting because i love dance and i'm fascinated about chakras i wanted to learn more about it. so amalgamate too and i've been teaching that for five years and i'm very passionate about it and i would love to do bigger groups i'd love to do i would love to work in personal development seminars with all this because I'm, I'm like a personal seminar addict so it's been a dream to like to do it at a big conference that someone has already established a following that would be very cool and I use the oils as well to help unblock or imbalance each chakra because it's energetic too so that's it huh. that was a big one Aaron <laughs> uh, and did you come across this did you create this like how did you no no it's a course I did online no it's a, it came of course you know Facebook when you say you know it follows your keywords so like I must have had the word chakra and dance on my Facebook page then I saw oh what's this chakra dance and it's a woman called Natalie Southgate created it so you do her course it costs like a couple of grand to do her course I was over three months so I had to be mentored for three months and then I had to record doing a class it's just another tool I've added to my box like I do I do it in the evenings I do it twice a year I, I did one there before Christmas I do one around now because New Year's resolutions people like to learn something new but I do it around the end of January February um, and I do I usually do one in the start the year and then one in September because it's like a start of a new year as well so and then I might do some weekend courses as well I might have done like, but I haven't done that weekend now in a while but I have done the eight week I love doing my eight week courses I always learn something new about myself and I always learn something new about my the students they teach me way more and we just create this safe environment the music's really cool it's really funky from shamanic cultures all around the world and so I teach the chakra part the first half hour and then we dance for an hour so it goes on for about an hour and a half then we do meditation at the end but you just float out each week is totally different the music's totally different because the vibration's totally different so the frequency so this Natalie Southgate has she put the music together she travelled around the world and created the different I would know by listening to music what kind of chakra you're, you're balancing just by listening to the music of any music really now no just because I've done it so long um, really yeah yeah I would yeah like the base chakra is all to do with the legs and feet so that's all to get your legs stamping like it's all African beat so you know and I actually I took up djembe drama last year and sure jeepers talk about oh it was one of the most healing to have like there was about a hundred of us drumming unbelievable power in drumming that's connected to the rhythm of the earth which is base chakra it's based on African human behavior from shamanic cultures from thousands of years ago. That's how we used to live. You know, drumming around a fire with the fire is masculine energy, water is feminine and emotions. And so the way they lived, humans lived hundreds of years ago, 
thousands of years ago was the way we're naturally meant to live. It's changed from society and we got disconnected from the earth. Sure, look at the climate change here. It's a classic manifestation of how we've totally disconnected from the earth and the way we should be living, the way we relate, and the way we connect and disconnect. So this chakra dance, it's like I create this environment like we're all sitting around and there's candles everywhere and we're like sitting around a campfire and then I teach about the chakras and then we get up and dance around and we close our eyes. It's a meditation. So nobody's looking at anyone else. Everyone's moving the way they feel. I guide you as to which part of your body you should focus on, but you move it the way you feel you need to move as opposed to being told what to do. I'm not conditioning anyone. We're all conditioned to dance a certain way. Even in salsa, and you have to, you know, you have to put your arm this way. And any dance has a way of dancing. And chakra dance is kind of to get rid of all that, is to get into your true artistic expression of yourself and move the way. Everyone has a way of dancing and to connect to that way of you, the way you dance, not the way you think you should. Even when you look at babies, I love watching babies dance because they just dance the way they their authentic way they dance is just the way and their style they have since they were babies and you lose that when you start copying other people or you think the way you should dance so it's to get back I've had dancers in chakra dance who've gone back like Shano's dancers and they just got really much better at their way of dancing like they went back to Shano's dancing and they said oh my god my dance has really improved since I did chakra dance because they got they were able to express themselves more authentically that's good feedback <laughs> yeah but I've had people who've changed careers and I've had people who like stopped being bullied and I've had people who've ended marriages who got out of relationships and then people who, who were with a long-term partner for 23 years and going what the hell is wrong with us let's get married that kind of stuff has happened from students have come to my class so that's cool like it's that's all chakra work when you make a big decision or you can't make a big decision and you need to and you want to make a massive changes it mightn't happen during the dance itself but it'll happen soon afterwards like it'd be cool to open up your toolbox and rummage through and see what, what hammer and chisels you have in, in your emer done toolbox of of therapies and personal development be a, be an interesting find to see what be down there but outside of physical therapy what would be your next tool or your favorite tool you like to dig out for yourself or for others well i'd, I'd love to like expand with the oils like doTERRA is a business and I'm really focusing on that this year so I'm going to be teaching classes loads of classes in the essential oils so like doTERRA has this amazing all they already have all the education you need there at your fingertips and it's a matter of you tapping into it and educating yourself which I've done for myself and it's free basically so like it's all on their websites you can download a pdf of any oil and, and educate yourself. Like it's I'm I'm working with this woman who just she was a customer now for the last three years, and she knows more about the oils nearly than I do because she had kids. I don't have kids, so her child had chronic, chronic bronchitis, asthma, and coughs, and she knows the different oils for those specific things. Like she, there's actually oils for bronchitis, and you don't use the same oils that you use for common cough, and you don't use the same oil that you use for asthma. She says the different blends. I've discovered what works for what. She says because my child is so sick for so long. Now she did. Child was hospitalised and on nebulizer and on. And but she's now knows that when her child gets really really sick, she uses frankincense and eucalyptus, rubs on the soles of her feet. That's what works for her child. While she tried everything before, like like and 
was beside herself with up night after night. So that kind of thing, now, that's what she was determined to find what works for her child. Like that's the beauty of these oils. You try and test different things and see what works, and what's good for you and what works for you, what works for someone that might not necessarily work for someone else. Because there's no two ailments the same. There's no two, everyone has different degrees of the flu and different levels of asthma and different levels of like hormonal imbalance and everyone exercises and has different lifestyles. So that's the way it should be like so you just you just discover what works for you I remember when I started the oils first everyone was saying wow my god your skin's so good you look great what's good and I'm like it's the oils but I take my oils internally every day I have nine oils that go in into my body every day and when I stop taking them I just get lazy I get back sick my skin breaks out and I get back my really painful periods like I'm like okay I hear you like you just have to keep it up and keep using nature's medicine to keep you in alignment and keep you healthy. Like, I suppose my mom was sick all her life. Like she got inflicted with a terrible disease, hepatitis C. I'm gonna say it when she gave birth to my brothers and sisters. So she didn't ask for that life. She got it inflicted onto her. And I suppose I spent my whole life trying to fix her, trying to make her better. And it, you know, it, she had a good life and the life that she had she died too early she met less than half of her grandchildren and it's just I don't I just don't want to see other people suffer like the way she did or I did I want to prevent that I'm passionate about it because I see people killing themselves drinking and smoking and eating wrong foods and, and, and they don't like themselves very much and this is a brilliant way to love yourself through giving yourself optimum health. And Aaron, I, 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 it's impossible for me to talk about stuff like this without crying. And I didn't mean to cry. Sorry about that. <laughs> you saw, you saw what your mom went through, and you realized I don't want to go through that, and I want to help people. Like we, we all get that. We want everyone to be in the best health and shape as, as we want and, and be, so... Yeah, but I've learned, Darren, you can't... You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. There's so many people out there, you know, they have to make the decision to help themselves. Like, that's the frustrating part. At the same time, for the people who do want to change their life and, like, and overcome their illnesses or conditions or live the best life, this, this is the two... These are... This is what's available. A messenger, an educator, a facilitator. But at the end of the day, everyone has their own life and everyone makes their own decisions and everyone chooses the path that they choose and you can't make them change. All you can do is inspire them and try and motivate them. But at the end of the day, you can bring the horse to the water, but he, it's only up to him to drink it. <laughs> Emer, if... If you could go back and, and give your, your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? Um, the advice I'd tell her that young was like, to stop worrying so much. Yeah, there's times where I would have said to ask more people for advice before making big decisions. Because you look back, I could have got a scholarship in swimming to go to America. And half of me always wonders how would have my life ended up if I took that path instead of this one that I took. I'd say I would have made my life way easier 
or it could have been way harder. I had a terrible fear of going to America. I had terrible stories of people, of kids my age getting injured and I knew my back wasn't great um, getting injured and getting kicked out of the team and getting kicked out so I was a, I was a terrible fear of failure of not being able to come up to, to par with, with the standard that they were looking for and I heard I heard, just heard horror stories to be so far away from home but at the end of the day my parents would have helped me out you know I just had there was a lot of things back I did I was fear driven you know the advice I give to my own self is like, look at how you're driven. Are you driven by fear or are you driven by inspiration or by love? It's the opposite of fear, really, isn't it? And looking back at seeing where you are, where you are now, are you kind of happy where you are? Or do you feel like I could have done this or I could have done that? But Oh, yeah. Was... You still think you could have done this and could have done that. But I still think, why am I in the town that I grew up in still? Like, <laughs> It's not a bit, it's, not, it's a lovely town, but I do feel like I need to get out. I'd like to move on. But I don't know how to move on to, but I am moving on. I'm doing it. So I do love my work. I have a lot to be grateful for. I've an awful lot. And I have I have a great relationship with my own family and my nieces and nephews and that's that's very important to me. Uh Emer, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and getting to hear your story, your knowledge and experiences. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Aaron. Thank you. This is like a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> You're making me cry. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks a million. Thanks a million, Aaron. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.